Ironclass is the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Regionals. Welcome to Fandom 101. Want to help your squad rule the rink? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, get loud for every goal. Two, work in groups. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Bridgeport Regional, March 24th and 26th at Total Mortgage Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com slash MFrozen4. Class dismissed. Welcome back to RinkWise, everyone. We are New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. To no surprise, after a very long weekend and very exciting weekend of MIAA state championships, joining us in studio again today is Evan Miranovsky. Evan, welcome. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. You're right, quite the weekend. A lot of hockey. Tons. I mean, more than you could ever even want in, in one single day. Just another day in the office for you, Evan. Another day in the rink. and Long day. I was there with others as well. I was not the only one, obviously. But I was there from about 8.45 in the morning until about 11 at night. So long day. A lot of hockey. Six straight. It was actually funny. There was a time. The day is long. So I was kind of walking around during one of the games. Because like, I just need to like move around a bit, and there was a, an usher, because there's no one, like, normally at, at, the, at the garden up top, there's people in boxes and stuff like that, but at this, it was just press up on the ninth floor, but you could kind of roam around the other parts, which was kind of nice, because it was like, you got some, like, quiet time, it was like your own little place, but I was talking to an usher, and I'm like, oh, I'm just walking around a long day, he's like, oh, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I've been here since, like, 845, he's like, I've been here since 730, and I was like, oh, I guess he won up to me, <laughs> so good for him, but it was a fun day, long, long day, but a lot of good hockey, and that's what, that's what you all can, all you can ask for. Long day and much anticipated. I know we've been waiting a long time to get to these MIAA state championships, and the day certainly did not disappoint. We had a little bit of everything. We had close games, overtimes, upsets, you name it, and we certainly can't wait to dive into that. But, Evan, before we do that, why don't we revisit some of the pass or the steps before getting to the state championship. Let's do it. Because certainly the episode or the podcast that we did leading up to that, that gave sort of a breakdown of the previews with with the boys division one being, being of course, I think front and center, we had St. John's prep and Catholic Memorial as one and two. We did. Sort of the unstoppable teams, if you will. And they were stopped before they got to the garden. They were. I was actually at both of the games they lost. Surprising. Definitely surprising. I will say though, I will give I will give myself a little pat on the back, Stephanie. If you remember when we did that last podcast with Paul McNamara, I said out of the CM side of the bracket, I said Arian could give them a real problem. Cole Puliot Porter is an outstanding goalie. If he gets really hot, they, CM could run into trouble. That's exactly what happened, actually. CM outplayed Zavarian like crazy in the first period. In that, I believe it was the Elite Eight game on March 8th at Warrior, and Julia Porter was outstanding. It was Varian edged out a 2-1 win. Um, it was a crazy game and a crazy atmosphere, too. I mean, that place was packed 30 to 40 minutes before the game started, so it was really cool to just be there and take it all in, and then to see the upset that happened was incredible, and I knew right then and there, like that, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast with, with Paul Mack, that having a hot goalie is the number one thing you can have in 
the MIAA playoffs. Same with with prep, but really with MIAA, hot goalies change everything. And Puglia Porter was that. I mean, that is how they beat CM. If Puglia Porter was not as great as he was in that game, they lose 100% and CM moves on to play Reading. So that was that. And then on the other side, St. John's prep goes down to Pope Francis in the final four. And that was another instance of really good goaltending. Pope Francis has a sophomore, Nick Ritchie, small kid, not big, like from up above looks barely bigger, <laughs> barely goes over the crossbar. I think he's a little bit taller than that. Just played a, a terrific game. And Pope Francis, by the way, too, played a really good game, kept St. John's prep off the scoreboard. So both Pope Francis and Zavarian, two very deserving teams, definitely surprising to see CM and SJP out when they were. But, you know, again, it was the hot goaltending that really stifled both of those really good offenses. And, it, you know, again, surprising final. I don't think most many people had Pope and Zavarian outside of parents from Pope and Zavarian. But I do think that uh, it was it was quite the, quite the tournament to get there. It certainly was. And I think it's always common maybe along the way that there's one big upset, but to have two... I think was really remarkable, and you did call it. It was going to take a really outstanding performance in that, and not only that, but a, an outstanding performance for all three periods and all three zones in order to knock off one of those top teams. I will. I will also want to give credit to Reading, number fourteen Reading. They almost beat number seven Zavarian in the final four. I went to overtime zero zero. Shout out to the town of Reading, by the way. They came out to center out in Lowell, filled up like half of the place. I mean, like it was so loud in there for Reading. If they had won, I'm pretty sure the roof would have blown off Songus. But, it, you know, that's a number 14 seed. So they almost, a number 14 seed almost snuck into the final. I mean, you saw, I think it was Division 3 or Division, it was Division 3. Neshoba was an 11 seed, took down number one situate in the championship game, which we'll get to in a second. But there were a lot of upsets. It did not go chalk. I know in Division 4 it did. Number 1 and 2 were in the final. But in Division 1, it did not. Division 1, boys, it was upsets and close games all the way through. But it was it was a great tournament. I mean, it really was. And you saw lots of different winners. We did. And some of those games just, again, so exciting. Big shout out to Reading, as you said. They made such a great run. Yeah. And that's another team or another town that has just a really strong, rich tradition of hockey. I know several alumni from years past that went on to be really successful, played at high levels of college or, or professional. So it was really, I thought, really awesome to see them back in the final four. And they almost got their way to the garden. Just another close game, one goal game. But outstanding to see. And, and Evan, I think we see often with these MIAA playoffs, it really brings out the best, I think, in a lot of the fan support, a lot of the towns. And uh, it really, I think, helps bring people together. It does. And it's funny. You look at the Neshoba Situate game at, at Division Three. That was, I believe, the 5 o'clock game. Uh, it was the second to last game of the day. That place was packed. I mean, and you see it when it's public schools in it. The towns all come out. It, I remember when I was in it for Framingham, the entire town comes out. And it's really a, a, a so fun to be there because the atmosphere is so crazy and energetic. And you know, there were other really good crowds all day, but Neshoba and Situate stood out the most to me with the amount of fan support that they had and how crazy that place went when uh, Neshoba won it in overtime. Oh, amazing. Yeah, no, they just do a remarkable job with these playoffs. And before we get to the actual uh, state championship games on Sunday, just we can 
talk a little bit about the girls' path with the D1. There was there were a couple upsets mm-hmm. as well, not as many. Of course, we did see St. Mary's, the number one seed, make it to the championship versus Shrewsbury, who was number three. Kind of a neat story on the girls' side, Evan, was Bill Ricca. Chelmsford, mm-hmm. the co-op, they yep. pulled off a couple really big upsets and they did get eliminated eventually in the semifinals. But I believe, Evan, that was the furthest that that program has gone and they they knocked off Winthrop, who had been undefeated before that, including uh, prior to that as well, HPNA, who was the number four seed in the tournament. Yeah, they had some big, as you said, big upsets. To beat Winthrop is really impressive. That Winthrop team looked to be primed for at least a semifinal spot. But again, Bill Ricca Chelmsford, shout out to them for for playing so well. And then again, they went up against a wagon in St. Mary's in the semifinals. I think if they go up against anybody else, maybe it's a little bit different. But, you know, really a strong performance by them and lots to be proud of. I think if you're a lower seed and you get to the Elite Eight or semifinals, obviously no one's satisfied with losing. But I think as years go by, you'll look back and see, you know what, that was a pretty damn good run can't be mad at that absolutely and you really you you have to be so happy with going further than maybe people anticipated you to go yeah and and it happened on the girls side and on the boys side too you see it all the time and none of these I mean we're seeing it now with March Madness happening with with men's and women's basketball like it never goes chalk your bracket gets busted I think next year maybe Stephanie will fill out real brackets and we'll (laughs) we'll we'll see how we do with with the boys and girls for MIA I think we should do that maybe get fans involved or something I don't know I think Um, it's a great idea But I think that'd be fun to get people to really get competitive and we can really be invested in a lot of these games. We'll do it on the prep side too, I guess, but... Have some fun with it. That sure. would be, that would I think we just came up with a really good idea. I think maybe maybe I'm biased because it's my idea, but I think that's a pretty good idea. But you know, you see it, the brackets get busted, and I think if we made brackets this year, I think they would have got busted pretty bad. So, well, so let's start with Sunday. So we're gonna go one by one right through the championship games. As we said, Evan, a long day for you. Great coverage as always, Thank and I you. know you're gonna have a. A lot of information on all of these championship games. So the first game of the day was D2 girls, Duxbury at number two versus Canton number four. Yeah, Duxbury, again, it was a close game, actually. I know it was five to two, but it was three to two at one point later in the third period. Canton did look to be pushing, but Duxbury was just stronger. I saw them, I was fortunate to do color commentary for Duxbury's semifinal win over oh my god it was over and over at Loring and the big thing that stood out to me then was Madeline Greenwood and and who was the other one there it was McKenna Colella both of those two for Duxbury are the catalysts those two make it happen Greenwood up front Colella is such a good puck mover on the back both had goals on on Sunday and were really to me the the main characters for Duxbury but yeah I mean Duxbury just played harder again it the score I think is misleading I it was not as it was not as far apart it was not a three-goal game, but credit to Duxbury and Dan Nigerian's team. They continue to roll with, with championships and things like that. So really good game there early in the day, too. So it was, it was uh, I was as fresh as could be <laughs> with that first game. Well, and a great job by Duxbury as well, both teams really. But, you know, Duxbury, strong t- tradition there. This was the first time I believe they were back at the Garden since 2014. And Canton, under new head coach Nikki Petrick, Great job with her first year, really doing an incredible job with that team, getting them back to the garden. They were there last year. They have yet to close the deal. But but again, it was a great game. Agreed. Thought Duxbury really got out to a strong start in the first period. That mm-hmm. really kind of, I think, set the tone for them for the, for the game. And you're right. They can't made it close at times. The closest they got was was one goal. But unfortunate, I think, in the third period, Duxbury, or not unfortunate, but Duxbury got two Two goals towards the end that really, I think, kind of solidified it for them. And 
Again, great job by both teams all season, strong seasons, and a great championship game. And I think talking to the Canton head coach, Duxbury, I agree, I think was a little bit deeper overall. She said obviously wasn't their best game. And I think, Evan, when you get to that state championship, you really do have to be essentially almost perfect for three entire periods. Yeah, and you know what this is like. I think the, the, the biggest thing you see with all these teams is it's such a big stage. No one has, most teams, some were there last year, the year before. But you're not regularly playing on, on A, the ice surface, B, as big a stage as it is. And also, it's very hot at ice level. We talked about this last time. So it sure is. Yeah. It takes no, that's why you don't really see anyone come out and score immediately. I think the earliest goal was like five, six, seven minutes into the game across all six. So you don't really see any early goals. It's a little bit messy for the first couple minutes as kids kind of work through the nerves and kind of get used to playing in front of all those people under the bright lights. It's it's a it's a different kind of environment. And you saw that a little bit in this game. But again, Duxbury just a little bit better throughout. I mean, Madeline Greenwood, incredible goal scorer, just so good at driving the net. She actually on that fifth goal drove straight into the goalie and then the Duxbury scored on the rebound it was Parker Metzler. But again, that credit to Duxbury for kind of pouncing on that and uh, getting that win. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M dot com. You can learn to skate fast. Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? All right, class, it's the NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Regionals. Welcome to Fandom 101. Want to help your squad rule the rink? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, get loud for every goal. Two, work in groups. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The NCAA Men's Ice Hockey Manchester Regional, March 23rd and 25th at SNHU Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com slash mfrozen4. Class dismissed. Moving along, so our next game was Canton Boys. So mm-hmm. Division Two Boys, Canton, who was ranked number three, 
Hopkinton ranked number eight going into that tournament. Hopkinton almost had this. Hopkinton was up one nothing through, I believe, two periods or almost two periods. Their goaltender was outstanding. Or it was at the end, it was they were up one nothing until like the last couple minutes of the second. Jack Lang and Nett was sensational. I mean, he was their best player. He kept them in the game. And then I'll be honest, so I was surprised. Canton scored a goal with at the end of the second, their first goal of the game to tie it 1-1, looked like a kicking motion. They never looked at it. They never did anything about it. The puck, I think, went off the post, and then it kind of it, like, it went off the kid's skate and in the net. Now, on video, it's hard to tell if he kicked it or if it was kind of his motion going that way anyway but no one looked at it and it just they just continued play that and i was surprised yeah surprising because the the replay of the video is also up on the jumbotron yes so and also the entire world also i didn't i didn't now again i'm up on the ninth floor so i am literally six levels above everyone else I didn't see the Hopkinton coaches even, again, I didn't see it, but they did not even seem to me like to be, hey, like, can we get an explanation for that? Now, maybe they didn't see it, but I don't know how they didn't see it. I don't know how one of the four or five coaches on the bench didn't see it because that changed the game because you knew Canton was pressuring all game. You knew once one went in, a bunch were going to go in. And then immediately uh, Canton scored right after to end the period just on a shot right through Lang's leg. So, I mean, again, it's, it's a heat of the moment type thing. I'm not even in the battle. I'm up above. But I was surprised to see no one wanted to take a look at that. Again, maybe they did. Maybe they did and I didn't see it. But the the referees just went right back and started playing again. So I was kind of surprised by that's, that. That's a good pickup, Evan, for sure. And again, why you're so good at what you do, because you're, <laughs> you're right. Sometimes those types of plays can really change the entire trajectory of the game. And listen, if that was me on the bench, I absolutely would have questioned that because you just know you're in that situation and momentum can really start to shift things. And it did. It Because compl- right after Brian Middleton scored just a shot right through Lang's legs, it was kind of a soft goal from Lang, just right through his legs. So, And Lang had played unbelievable to that point. And I think if, to me, again, I've never coached. You have, Stephanie. So I, you know, hands up, I've never coached. But, you know, I've certainly played a lot, and I w- when your goalie's keeping you in it like that, you would hope that you would do anything it took to try to get that goal off the board. Again, I, I just was surprised no one looked at it, because I saw it on, tr- I, so I saw it in, in the moment, and I said, that looked like a kick. Maybe they'll look at it. But then, it's funny, they also, they also didn't look at a play in the first game. Now, granted, it was the fifth goal, but Greenwood, this is, again, the, the first game of the day for the girls, Duxbury Canton, Greenwood drove the net, took the goalie out completely, and Metzler just kind of put the rebound in. And I was like, no one's going to look at that for goal interference either. Now, granted, there was like a minute left and it was 5-2, but they didn't they didn't look at stuff. And I was kind of surprised by that because both of those goals seem to be ones that you would want to take off the board, but they didn't. And so be it. Yeah, and it would, certainly would be wonderful if we could have uh, the video replay at the high school level. And I think the protocol that we're supposed to use is the refs, if you do question it, they should interact amongst themselves and just make sure that they agreed consistently that they made the right call. But I think in this case too, it is interesting because 
it is up on video, but technically there is no video replay at the high school level, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, there isn't. And again, the refs, you miss calls. It's a part of the game, obviously. You get some, you, you don't get some. But I was just surprised that no one caught that. Because it again, it's one of those things that would probably take like five minutes, which is again, a long time to look at because- But important. It's it's, it's huge. It's, it's important. It's a huge call there. But it is tough. Is, is he kicking it? Is it in his motion? Like, how does that work? But- Credit to Canton, though. They capitalized on it. They scored, and then they never stopped. So credit to them. They did. So the final, they are 4-1. to one. And uh, mm-hmm. in your opinion, though, too, that game was the way Hopkinton played, just closer than maybe the score ended yeah, up being. Yeah, I, I think Canton was the better team throughout. I think Hopkinton really was only in it because their goalie. Hopkinton did score first, though. Pevitt Metra had that first goal. But, again, credit to Canton for pulling it out and, and letting the floodgates open a little bit there in the third. Really awesome for the town of Canton, though. How about that? Having your girls and your boys teams back to back. I know. And, and back to back years, too. That's really quite impressive. Yeah. And also, shout out to the MIA for having them go two in a row. So they didn't have the girls go in the morning, the boys go at night. Like, if you were from Canton, you were there from, you were there from nine to 1 p.m. So, yeah, I mean, they it was, it was a great turnout. Good for them. Obviously, they lose the girls game, but they win the boys. I was happy that they won one because it'd be really tough if they lost both. And then it's like, oh, man, we, we were, both teams were in it. We both lost. But fortunately, that wasn't the case. I know a lot of the, the town of Canton stayed to watch that state championship with Pope Francis versus X in the, in the finals. Heck of a game. That Pope Francis Avarian game was great. I know that, as we said, it was kind of a surprise both teams were there. Pope Francis comes under the radar a lot because they're out in Western Mass, so it's they, they don't get the attention, unfortunately, that schools like Zavarian or CM or the Prep or Braintree, Arlington, whatever, get around here. But, you know, they prove they belong. I think this was a real statement tournament for them in the sense that you know, they beat number one St. John's Prep, they rolled into the garden, and they won against Zavarian. And they kind of made a statement like, hey, we deserve the attention. And they did. I mean, they played a great game. I would say they were a little bit better than Zavarian. They outshot them. I think like 31 to 17. Varian had two leads. Varian scored the first goal and then made it two to one. I thought for a little bit there, my prediction of Zavarian winning three to one would actually come true. Because I will say, Stephanie, I forgot to mention this, in the Canton-Hopkinton game, I had the score Canton four to one on the website. So nailed it right it's on the written. Head. It is written in stone <laughs> and I had it right. So I got to give myself a pat on the back for that one. We'll make sure the entire world knows that Evan. Oh, they should. And I'm glad they're Broadcast finding out. It. They're finding out now because the whole press box knew I had that right. But Pope Francis credit to them came back twice. And to me, a really interesting part of this game, it was one to one, I believe in the second period. And Pope Francis had a power play. And Josh Ibby, who's their number one center, arguably their best player, kind of comes up the right side. Zavarian, great penalty killing team, forced them to make a turnover. They go right in and score. And automatically you think, man, like poor kid. You know, like just was trying to make a play, got turned the puck over, gives up a goal. His team's now down in the state championship game. That's huge. Well, Ibby scored the first goal of the game for Pope Francis in the first on a one-timer on the power play, but then scores the game winner with 25.6 seconds left to make up for it. So an incredible game by him. Really good game from Nick Ritchie in net. Nick Ritchie's small. I know we I mentioned this earlier, but really, I mean, he again, Puglia Porter faced a lot more shots, but Ritchie faced some grade-A chances in the third and stood up to all of them. So impressive win by Pope Francis. Good for Brian Foley's team, who they were kind of looking for a big championship, and they got it with that win over Marion. 
Absolutely. And just an incredible job by both teams getting to that point. As we said, it was definitely not an easy path and they had to pull off some really big wins, some big upsets to get there. And an incredible job by two teams that technically right? Weren't the one and two. So people didn't necessarily anticipate to be there. And what a great game it was. I felt Evan, like those two teams were just exchanging punches back and forth. And as you said, just up until around 20 or excuse me, 30 seconds or so left in the third, we thought we we're going to see another overtime game. Yeah. And uh, pulled it out with a, a, a three, two, a goal right at the end there to sort of seal the deal. We did. I mean, I, I think a lot of people thought overtime, I think there were, I think both teams probably thought they were going to overtime, but Pope Francis capitalized. I mean, Zavarian actually was like five seconds before that goal went in. Severian was on a odd man rush the other way and just kind of lost the puck. Pope Francis just went bombed down the other way and scored. And it was just, I mean, it was a, it was three Pope Francis kids against three Severian kids and one, and Ibby just kind of got loose and tapped it in the back door. So again, it's tough because Puglia Porter played an outstanding game. He had an amazing run. Certainly his stock has soared a lot in the last month with the way he played. He was a kid all year. I, I think everyone looked at and said that's a really good goalie. And there were some ups and downs in there, especially for his Zavarian team. There were some losses in there. But he's a kid who... Stock rose a lot, especially after the after the Reading game when he went and right after they won, after Zavarian won the game in, in overtime, he, he went right over to Chris Hannafin. There were stories in the Herald and the Globe, I think. Went right over and congratulated and kind of said, hey, no reason to keep your head down, like great game. But, you know, his athletic, Puglia Porter's athleticism is ridiculous. And you saw that again on Sunday on, on those in the game. So great run for him. And it's tough because, again, you know this. You've been, you've been to the Garden and won and lost. I've been and lost. It's it's tough, obviously, when you lose. But at the same time, it's all, I think as the years go by, you can look back and say, hey, we had a really good run. Like, it's we had some really exciting wins in there. Like, you have to be able to take something from that. Absolutely. And I think we should note with all these teams, they, they give everything they have all season. And as we said, it's just such an accomplishment accomplishment to get to this final stage and you're right it's it's I think the the true nature the true sportsmanship if you will of of, of hockey it's the experience that you really have to appreciate of, of getting there and with your teammates all season and unfortunately there can only be one winner that comes out of each of these games it's funny there's a after each game there was a I think like the vice president of the MIA whoever it was would come out and he would give the same intro for each thing like there are 49 teams in Division Three boys hockey, or there are 52 teams in Division One boys hockey, whatever. But when you think about it, yeah, there are. like, And, and these are the two teams that made it all the way. And That's I think right. there's, there's something for that now that makes it especially heartbreaking to lose because you get all the way there and fall short. The tough part of, of championships with this, both teams enter the game thinking, it's our year. We're on a run. Like we're we're the team, and, and like Varian thinking, oh my god, this is this is our year. We're on a run. Pope Francis thinking the same thing. Like that's why it's such a clash because both teams think they're on these incredible runs, and then unfortunately for one, it has to fall short. So, but great game. It was a great Division One game in the one p.m. time slot. So it, this it's, a good game. It certainly was. Did not disappoint at all. And Evan, I'm sure at this point in the day, you start to get a little bit tired. Three. Oh, games I was I was raring to go. No, I was. And I think that's the funny thing. Is everyone? Fortunately, we also had Jeff Cox there, who was working on stuff too. So I mean, there were we we had lulls throughout the day. Had some good chicken fingers at the Garden, which were great, and some fries, and can't hate that, right? I mean, the, 
TD Garden has a good chicken tender basket, so I was looking forward to it all day. You that was my stay, that was You got to stay thing. fueled up and keep that energy up. But you also can't eat too much because then you're in like a food coma and you're like, I just want to go to sleep. So it was a, it was a tough act. It was a tough thing to balance, but I think I did it well. Yeah, we don't want that. No, we don't. <laughs> so the next game of the day was Division Four boys, Norwell at number one versus Sandwich at number two. So one and two teams. And by the way, we should mention that this was the only game of the day that actually had the one and two teams that played off. So no prior upsets leading up to that. No, that it was completely went chalk for D4. And they were clearly the two best teams in D4, I think, all year. Again, really exciting game, 4-3 overtime. And this kind of had everything. Norwell dominated the first. So it's funny, we were all kind of up there like, all right, this will be a quick game. Like, Norwell will finish them off, whatever. They were motivated from last year. I think Sandwich knocked them out on the way to the final. And wasn't the case. Sandwich Storm, I think it made it 2-2. Two to two, And then in the third, Norwell went up. Sandwich came back. Place was rocking for that game. Both towns came out hard for both teams, obviously. And then over time, Tim Ward's goal was outstanding. Just great single-handed effort through the sandwich zone. Beautiful goal. Beautiful to, goal. To it. It's tough because I, I almost wish... Um, now, granted, there are videos on Twitter and such of these, like from up above, but I wish, I kind of now wish I clipped the game. Like I do for like Bruins games, I'll clip it and put it on Twitter so people can see. I wish I kind of did that for this because I think some of these goals are outstanding and it's like these deserve attention. This was one of those goals. Yeah. Really yeah. just a good single effort. Um, high skill. Tim Ward had a great game all game. I'm currently doing my, I'm writing right before we started recording this, Stephanie, I was writing my all MIA championship day for boys like tournament team. And uh, he's on it. I mean, he was just noticeable. I know he wasn't on the score sheet for the for regulation, but he was so noticeable for them. Just driving play, things like that. So fitting that he scored the goal. Kind of like he was due for like a big moment. He was. Game. And I think that was the thing about that game was you felt like, like, I can't believe he hadn't scored yet. Like he's just there. He's around the net. He's making plays. And it's like, all right, like when's it going to happen? And it did in overtime. And you could see it happening. It's like, oh, oh, this is it. This is it. And then put it right in. So that was a really exciting game. Oh, it definitely looked like it just back and forth. And uh, again, our, we knew we were going to see overtime at some point that game. I know when I was, I was watching, I'm like, wow, like I can't believe that we're already three games in and no overtimes yet. That's, that's I know. unheard of. I know. And it's funny. I said this to you when you cover all these games, you hope none go to overtime. It's like, all right, let's, let's stay on schedule here. Let's see. We don't want to be here too long. And then of course, it's funny. I was actually up talking to two people in the press box and uh, we were like, oh, the it was after the Pope Francis of Aaron game. We said, oh, sit, sandwich situate, excuse me, sandwich and uh, Norwell. Norwell dominated the first. So we're like that. Norwell will finish that off. And then situate's a number one seed. Neshoba's 11. Situate will take care of them, whatever. And then they've got St. Mary's and, and Shrewsbury and St. Mary's isn't a wagon number one. Take care of them. Quick day. We'll be done pretty quick. We were very wrong. <laughs> we were very, very wrong on that. But you know what? It made for more exciting action. So that's what I did like. Oh, for sure. And it's really as much as we all try to go into these games and have some predictions, it is impossible to come out of these with completely accurate predictions. We always see some different winners, upsets, overtimes, you name it. And that just seems to be the tradition of MIAA championship hockey. That is it. You just upset, upset, upset. And that was the Neshoba situate game. Again, number 11 seed Neshoba, you don't see this often, just rolled their way to the final, took down number one situate, stunning overtime loss. I mean, you could see it. I've never seen, I, I've been fortunate to cover sports for a long time, even though I'm fairly pretty young, I would say. And I've seen some stunning losses from, 
from teams. And I think Situate was as stunned as anyone that they lost that game to number 11 Neshoba. No disrespect to Neshoba. I mean, they played an outstanding game, but I think Situate was just stunned that they that they lost. Again, another overtime. Joseph Quinn, outstanding goal. Just kind of found a soft spot in the in the uh, in the defensive zone and just kind of took it right to the net and scored. And it was just a that play, that place went nuts when that happened. Yeah, I'm actually watching the the final goal right now. So I just pulled up a clip of it and just again, just a great play to keep the puck in the zone. Found an open man. And a nice backhander there. Goal. I don't think the goalie was really expecting it. No, and it's one you just can't say. As a goalie, like, I think it just happened so fast. There's no no worry. You can't be mad if you miss that. That happens. And I know that Neshoba players and tried to kind of console the the goaltender for, for Situate McMillan. But a really great game. I know it was a little bit low scoring, 2-1. to one, But it was exciting. And Neshoba scored first. So it was kind of like, okay, well, this is going to be a hockey game now. And again, an incredible run by Neshoba. Number 11 seed and you're in the final. I mean, that is, that does not happen. That is unique. And that's... Like, I always root for the underdogs. I always, unless Framingham's in it, then I root for Framingham. But <laughs> that doesn't happen often, unfortunately. But but again, a great great game from Neshoba. Oh, it's great. Both teams, incredible season, again, as we're, as we're mentioning. But you, you really do, as, a, as, as sports fans, you got to be really happy to see that. Just That was, by the way, the biggest range between teams that we had of any championship game. Mm-hmm. So a one and an 11 seed. So... With all the other prior games that we that we discussed, there was smaller gaps between the rankings of the teams. But I will say, Evan, when you when you get to that final stage, clearly just so hard to get there. And again, like you you work so hard to get there, but it's not over yet. You have that one more game where you gotta really pretty much be perfect. And I will say that I think having been on on both sides, as a coach, you always hope that you're gonna finish it in regulation. Because I feel like once it goes to overtime, Evan, it's it's really, it's almost like kind of rolling a dice at that point. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. All right, class, it's the NCAA Men's Frozen Four. Welcome to Fandom 101. Want to help your team rule the rink? Here's your assignment. Lesson one, go big for every goal. Two, when you bring it, bring enough for the whole class. And three, attendance is encouraged, but passion is mandatory. The NCAA Men's Frozen Four, April 6th and 8th at Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. Buy your tickets today at NCAA.com slash MFrozen4. Class dismissed. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking for a hockey camp this summer? Townsend Hockey is offering skating and skills programs, including hockey IQ, scoring, speed, and checking skills for players serious about taking their game to the next level. Townsend Hockey is owned and operated by Graham Townsend, who played and coached at every level, including the NHL. Players of all ages can choose from programs in Maine and Massachusetts in July and August. Please visit townsendhockey.com for more information. That's T-O-W-N-S-H-E-N-D-Hockey.com. I remember when we played 
Braintree in 2017 in the semifinals to go to the Garden. Went to triple overtime or double. It was one of the two. But I remember that was the only time I ever felt genuinely nervous on ice because I'm like, if we lose, this is going to be the most heartbreaking thing ever. But if we win, it's going to be the greatest feeling ever. And it was the greatest feeling ever. But I feel like I almost feel bad for these teams that lose in overtime at the Garden because it's such a quick, like it's such a quick death. Like it's done like it's over and a lot of these plays happen so fast or it'll be shot from the point or whatever that goes in I mean um and it, it's 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 heartbreaking and it's it's tough even watching games in overtime in the championship like this are like nerve you're like oh oh my god and that was how I felt in this game more than anything and we were kind of saying like this Neshoba situate game feels the closest of any because so much is at stake the 11 seed is potentially going to upset a number one seed so really great game that Sneaky might have been my game of the day, just given the the upset that that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, Zavarian and Pope played a really good game, and you also had Norwell four to three overtime. But Neshoba and Situate felt a little different. I don't know what it was, but felt a little bit different. I can see that. I mean, it's just it's a sort of a Cinderella story, if you will. Yes. And, uh, yep. Again, the the overtime. If you if you first off, if you're the underdog, but if you get yourself to overtime, as we said it then becomes to a bounce or capitalizing on a mistake and it's 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 one and done so if you if you're on the winning side of that you just have to capitalize once and it's over again yeah. it's just when you get to overtime, like I said, the stakes get higher and the palms get a little more sweaty. They, they really do because it's you really you got to stay perfect. And when you're in regulation, you have another chance to maybe come back if you've made a mistake. So what a wonderful game and just outstanding job by by that team this season. Congratulations to them. Yeah. Great ending to the boys slate of games, two overtimes. And it was it was good. It was really good. And of course, the final game of the day, and it got pushed a little bit later, as we knew would happen probably if we did see some overtimes. And and Evan, I think that's also, you, you mentioned it uh, prior in this podcast, that there's so many other factors in these games that you really have to kind of consider. And we're also talking about kids still, teenagers, like that game was supposed to start at 730 probably didn't start closer to 8.30 or 8.45. It was much late. It was like an hour and a half after it was supposed to, I think, it was, was it scheduled for 7 or 7.30? 7.30. Okay, so it was like an hour after. So got put, so they moved the day quick. I mean, like they, when team, and you know this, when teams win, it's like, all right, like, let's give your medals. Congratulations. Take a picture with the trophy. Now, please get off this ice. And I think that was how it was with with Sunday they just want to keep it moving keep it moving keep moving fortunately for Shrewsbury after they won in the final game they could actually kind of go on the bench take pictures because I could when after the ice cleared I could hear people like still yelling from the ice and the Shrewsbury girls were on the bench like taking pictures with each other so that was great for them congrats to them obviously to have that opportunity to kind of celebrate a little bit longer than everybody else and it was certainly well deserved well and I think so jumping the gun there a little talking about the game so of course Shrewsbury did win Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah big win so entering the St. Mary's was number one, Shrewsbury was number three, and Evan, this was Shrewsbury, this was their first time reaching the Division One state championship game. Incredible, and congratulations to them, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment, especially for the town. Everybody came out, I believe I have a cousin on that Shrewsbury team, I just found out, so. You believe? I believe, yeah, it's a <laughs> distant, sure. it's a distant cousin, yeah, it's, a, that makes it, sense. it's a distant cousin, but congrats to her and the whole team, because it's a, quite, quite the accomplishment. Yeah, listen, this was a game, St. Mary's had an incredible season all year, and uh, it, it probably was not their their best game, I think, unfortunately. But both teams, a credit, just, again, getting to this final stage, you just have to be so happy. And as we said, you really have to have almost your best game of the season to go all the way. And Shrewsbury came out hard. They uh, they really had a game plan. They they really came to play that day, and they, they really were able to maintain that 
intensity and energy, I think, Evan, for nearly three full periods. To me, it came down to defense. I think that Shrewsbury's defense was superior. They really worked on shutting down Jenna Chaplin. I mean, that was just kind of their game plan. They Leading did goal right. scorer in the league, I think, this year. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they we did a story on her a couple months ago, I th- or a month ago for The Last Magazine. Outstanding player, but Shrewsbury did an even better job of just shutting her down. And Yasmin McKenzie for Shrewsbury, terrific defender. She scored the eventual game winner on a really nice slap shot from the point that just went through everyone in front of her. And then also Maddie Merva, bigger, taller defenseman for Shrewsbury, did a terrific job of shutting down St. Mary's in uh, in her own zone and then scored a beautiful goal. Uh, that was another highlight goal, kind of like the uh, the game that we mentioned before. Like Tim with, Ward's with, yeah, with, yeah. with Norwell. So yeah. she had a highlight goal in half. And yeah. that was basically put the game away because at that point it was only two to one it was later in the third st mary's has what it takes to push but she and credit to her also because that's a that's a pretty gutsy play considering you're a defender and you got two minutes left in the game you're trying to hold a one goal lead and you're gonna i'm gonna dangle through this entire team and she did and scored a really nice goal um and then they added an empty netter with like a minute 30 left. So great, great for Shrewsbury and a really impressive win defensively. Yeah, and Evan, what I was really sort of impressed with is when you get to the garden, especially for the first time, it's it's a lot of nerves. And I think it's sometimes it takes a bit to, to get more experience with, with being able to play through that. So what I was actually impressed with, so Shrewsbury actually got off to the first lead. They were up one nothing. Mm-hmm. St. Mary's tied it. But then I believe... The next opportunity, so Shrewsbury had a power play, and then they scored within 25 seconds of that. So what that kind of tells me is just, again, for a team that did not have any prior experience getting to this level, just were completely unfazed. Ice in the veins. By that, and uh, because, you know, the team ties it, right? You're kind of carrying the momentum. They come back and tie it. That can really, I think, throw your momentum off and get frazzled a little bit. But So I was really impressed with that. And as you said, just a a big defense in there stepping up, and it was a beautiful goal, gutsy Mm -hmm. play. Yeah. And you're you're absolutely right. Like that, at that point in the game, really probably put it away it did and as you said i think it is impressive because they shrewsbury had the one nothing lead after two but then st mary's kind of scored immediately at the start of the third and you think oh god here here it comes like this is going to be kind of like the canton hopkinton game the floodgates are going to open and didn't at all so really an outstanding game from from shrewsbury and it's funny because i just the story published right before we started recording this. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 21st. And the the goalie for Shrewsbury, Rissa Montoya, had an outstanding game. She was one of my eight standout players from, from Sunday for the girls' side of things. She played a great game. I mean, she was under siege early in the game from yeah, St. Mary's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she stood tall against all those chances. I think stopped 15 to 16 shots. So yeah. she had a really terrific game. And again, good goaltending, good defense. That, and and that's also the second time all year St. Mary's have been held to one goal. Yeah. So yeah. that's the one. No, thing. it's uh listen, I think again, both both sides outstanding season. They've they've got two great coaches, very well coached, and you certainly feel for both sides, but there can only be one winner, as we said. And again, great job by Shrewsbury. Incredible story there. Frank uh, Penarelli, he's been at the helm of that team for 15 years. So mm-hmm. I know he's been waiting a long time for this day. So not only to get to that stage, but they won the biggest game of the year. And uh, I know just in listening to some of the recaps, they 
we're so proud of all the prior families that have come through the program. And you're right, the entire town was there to support. So I know a very, very special moment for Shrewsbury. Great moment. And and it's so cool for all the teams to the turnout that they have and to have that opportunity. Because, you know, again, it's nothing better than winning a state championship. And congrats to all six teams. Heck of a tournament and heck of a season. It really was. And Evan, you still standing after such a long day on Sunday. I mean, I, I'm surprised. I am very surprised. But it was it was, was good. It worth it? It was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. In the field, when it's done and you have all the great coverage that we had between me and Jeff Cox, it's like, oh, that was that was good. That was fun. And and it's fun. I, I love hockey. Like I was thinking, I'm like, I'm going to be so sick of hockey for the next like week. I went home, I played a game of NHL on my Xbox, and then I watched a game last night. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not sick of hockey. <laughs> so I'm, I'm back. I'm, ba- I'm back into hockey mode. Championship Sunday. It's really, it's one of the best days of the year in the hockey world because you just, you know that every game that you're in for, it's going to be a really exciting matchup. And I will say it's also great this month of March. It's funny. I argue with people all the time. I love this time of year because it's like the weather starts to get warmer. You'll get the lone like 60 or 70 degree day. It's like, oh my God, I'm wearing shorts. Like, this is crazy. Sun's up until 6.45, 7-ish, whatever. But also the amount of hockey. You have the Nepsack playoffs was back on like March 6th or something. It was earlier in the in the, in the the month. Then you have AA playoffs, March 19th, all day. Now next weekend, we have NCAA regionals, which is really fun. And that's going to be really exciting on ESPN for both boys and, and girls. By the way, congrats to the, I know I'm going off topic here, Girls Bean Pot is going to be at the Garden from now on, which is really? fascinating. Am I, I breaking this news to I you on, on air? Yeah, yes. Evan, that's amazing. Next year, the Girls Bean Pot will be so at, cool. at TD Garden, so, awesome. which is terrific. So, But again, NCAA Regionals next weekend, and then you have Michelle Playoffs in April. You have the Frozen Four in April. So yeah, I mean, I love this time of year because it's just hockey championship after hockey championship, so really great hockey overload Evan very much for and we'll have coverage for for we'll have coverage for all of it we had we had a lot obviously this is our busy season but you know we're gonna have a lot with NCAAs and we have a lot of MIAA season stuff wrap up we have a lot coming from that and we still have a lot left a lot with NEPSAC and prep stuff too so we have a lot coming well and Evan just before we finish up here I think just for fun so we just went through every single championship game a lot of amazing moments and great takeaways <laughs> What do you think, so I know you already alluded to it, probably maybe a game of the day, but with situate in Neshoba, but who are maybe the top three players you thought that stood out from Sunday? It's funny. I'm actually writing the story. Like, and there's so many to name. I'm yeah. Sure. I, from, from So I'll go, so girls, I, I already put the story up, so I'll, I'll just do boys. We'll just kind of focus on that. Josh Ibby from Pope Francis, two goals, scored the winner in the last 25 seconds. Like that to me is incredible. Um I would also go with Nick Ritchie in net for Pope Francis. He was sensational. Hard not to pick Pouliot Porter because he was also terrific. But Ritchie won, so credit to him. One that name, James Young from Canton had three assists. He, he was a defense. He's a defenseman. Really good play. A really good day from him. I mentioned Tim Ward from Norwell. I know I'm not picking three here, but the other one I want to <laughs> okay, say. We'll, we'll allow it. Dylan Manser from Hopkinton. I don't think he got on the score sheet. Hopkinton lost four to one, but incredible breakout specialist. I mean, just great poise with the puck. He's a senior, never seemed phased, really good with, with his patience. Again, I don't know if he's one of the three of the day considering his team lost, but I'd probably pick Richie, Ibby, and you know what? I was a defenseman, so I'm going to pick a defenseman, James Young of Canton. Three assists. So I'll go with those three. A forward, a defenseman, a goalie. That's all you can ask for. I know. Asking you for three, I know there's just so many more. That there's you more. Yeah, exactly. Many. Exactly. There's, there's more. So, But it's uh, the fun is to see who rises to the top in these games, and, and those three certainly did, which is good. Well, and Evan, I think definitely great choices. The old saying, 
Offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. Yes, this is true. So this game had a lot of, they're all six games, had a lot of both, which was great. And those players I picked certainly had a hand in everything, which was nice. Well, as always, the coverage is impeccable. And Thank the, you. the best in the business. Thank you. We try. We try. So... And you'll get a, hopefully a little bit of downtime now before the next round of coverage that we'll that yeah, we'll be doing. Yeah, I would I would love a little bit of downtime, but we got we got a lot coming. We have a new magazine coming out. We have lots coming on the website of prep season wrap up, MIA season wrap up. Look to next season, which is always fun, kind of oh, an early yeah. look. Yep. So we have a lot coming, um, which is fun, which is nice. And definitely, as you said, a lot more recaps. We'll have some more coaches in here, no yep, question. absolutely. And, uh, so definitely stay up to date with that. And Evan, as always, you do a remarkable job. Thank Best in you. the business, as I said, in my I, opinion. I appreciate it, Stephanie. Thank you. Well, until next time, everyone, that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal. And subscribe online at HockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production. 